If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 2. All right, Luke chapter 2, this is the Christmas story. All right, it is Christmas season. We have been looking at some popular Christmas carols. All right, that's what the last month here has been. Uh, And we have been letting these Christmas carols kind of serve as a springboard into messages for us. All right, so we look at either kind of the theme of the song or maybe a few lines in the song, and then we look at those same themes in Scripture and allow that to kind of uh, shape our message. So my hope is this, though, that in future years, whether it's actually later this year or next year, uh, you hear some of these songs again. And when you hear those songs and those lines kind of run through your head, that you would think back and these things would stick with you and these songs would carry a deeper meaning. And in those moments, you can even just kind of be challenged again by God of like, you know, when you hear that line, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices as yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That was the first week we looked at O Holy Night. Like those lines, I hope those lines carry new meaning for you in your life. Every time you hear them, sing them. All right. And so we've looked at O Holy Night. Last week, we looked at O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. All right, and so far, I I have loved going through these. Today, we are looking at the first Noel. All right, we just sang it a few minutes ago, so hopefully it's a little fresh in your mind. All right, and uh, so I want to do this. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2. Can we, if you're willing and able, can we stand uh, across the room as we get ready to read? Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse number 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. God, we pray that uh, even though I'm sure many of us have heard this story countless times, we've read these verses, uh, we, we have thought through what Christmas means. God, I pray that today would not just be uh, a, a repeat of that, but Lord, that we would be ready just to Uh, hear from you that our attitude, that our mindset, everything right now, the posture of our heart would be ready to hear from you. Jesus, we just ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. So what we've kind of done at the beginning of each one of these is we've given a little bit of a a backstory to what the song is that we're looking at. And I want to do this. I want to give a little background to the first Noel. Uh, But I'm a little curious first, and this will probably be one of the few times that I ever take an open poll on a Sunday morning because it is dangerous, all right? You just don't ever know. But I want to know, does anybody know what the meaning of Noel is? I love this. We have two teenagers that are semi-confident in this and zero adults like that. As someone who's been working with teenagers for many years, that makes my heart proud. Not, not of you guys. I'm ashamed of you guys. Of the teenager. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I did not know this. Okay. So like as I was doing research into this. Okay. 
Well, I'm going to give you a, a little bit. Now, there's actually a few different answers uh, that could have worked here. All right, because like many words, when they're brought into a language, they have root words that they're drawing from. Uh, that kind of we have taken from a root word that has formed this new one. And many times it's actually across multiple languages even. And that's kind of what's happening here. So we have these different root words. All right, in French, we are taking from the word nouvelle, which means news. All right? In English, there is a word noel, which means shouts of joy. And in Latin, there is a root word natalis, which means birth or birthday. All right, and then the French word, Noël, simply means Christmas. All right, Christmas. So when we see all of this together, like the word Noël, like we just got done singing a song, and what we know now is that almost all of us are guilty of singing something that we have no idea what it means. How many of you guys have sung that song prior to today? You're lying, more of you, all right? And we didn't know what it meant then. All right, but when we look at this, it's amazing, all these root words coming together and forming this word that means Christmas, uh, and it really paints a picture of what is meant in, in a more complete way by this. It's this shouting, this joyous news of a birthday, right? Like, that, that's what it is, like, shouting this, this joyous news of a birthday. Like, it's this amazing thing. The song itself is from uh, kind of the 13th or 14th century, all right, who knew so many of the songs that we sing at Christmas had such rich histories and past? We talked about last week with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, that song is, it dates back to the, the 8th and 9th century. When we sing that song, we are partaking in an, a, a tradition that is 11 centuries old. Like, it's amazing to see some of this. Uh, but something happened at the beginning of the 19th century or the 1800s. Uh, the singing of Christmas carols kind of began to die out. It just wasn't really as popular. People weren't into it anymore. Uh, and there were a few people that, that they were not okay with this. All right? And David, Davies Gilbert is one of those people. And he is sort of credited with the revival of Christmas carols. All right? And that's why there was a huge push in the mid-1800s to redo a lot of these songs, to kind of track them down and write out what they are. So if we can think back, our first song, Oh Holy Night, was actually written in the mid-1800s. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel had a resurgence in the mid-1800s. All right, so this is when all this is happening. Uh, so kind of this song, though, the first Noel, uh, we see it show up in Gilbert's Book of Carols in 1823. So a little bit earlier than the others. And then again, 10 years later, it shows up again in another compilation book. And pretty much every version of the first Noel that we have today and all of its verses, they stem back to this 1800s, that second version that came out like 10 years later. That's kind of where all of this stems from is right there. All right. And, and uh, the, so this song spends two verses talking about the shepherds. All right. When you sing the original Five verses, two verses talking about the shepherds, and then three verses talking about the wise men and kind of singing from their perspective. All right, now we didn't sing all those verses today. We sang two and then kind of an even more little modern one that was attached. All right, now for today, I want us to focus on two different things. All right, and uh, kind of two different verses of the song even and, and draw from those areas. Uh, but the first thing that I want us to do, and I, and I find this so amazing about this song, 
It's actually not even, it's not this song. It's about the Christmas story. Something that I've always just loved in the Christmas story. Uh, We see in verse number one of this song. All right, we've talked about how the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, they were waiting on the promise of someone to come and rescue them. That was the Messiah. That's what this is, the Messiah, the rescuer. Uh, he, he was coming to rescue them. All right, and there were all sorts of prophecies about how this would happen, when, not really as much when, but what it would even look like. And it had been about 700 years when Jesus was born since the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah has a lot of these prophecies in it. All right, but technically, technically these prophecies go all the way back to the beginning. When we go all the way back and we see sin first enter the world in the Garden of Eden, there is a prophecy that is told right there that someday there will be an offspring that will come and crush the serpent. The serpent will bite his heel. And it's, so right there from the beginning, there is this prophecy that there's going to be someone that comes and rescues. And that is repeated time and time and time again throughout Scripture. All right? And, and so they've been waiting for this for several millennium. Like literally the Israelites have been waiting thousands of years. All right? So when the Messiah comes, it is a big deal. Last week we talked about Emmanuel, God with us. That is a big deal that God is with us. God is with you. God is with me. Like when we leave here today, God goes with us. That's a big deal. Like this is, this is huge, right? And the first week we talked about how everything in life is different when Jesus is part of it. Right? When Jesus comes on the scene, whether that's when he was born or when, when you make a decision where Jesus is going to be part of your life, everything is different. A new and glorious morning comes the next day. You wake up on a new life. Like this is a big deal what the Messiah does. These are big announcements and they mean so much. They change the course of the entire world. So this announcement that Jesus is being born is massive. And we we often struggle to understand how important it is. And God had all of heaven and earth at his disposal to make this big announcement. And he has a host of angels to go out and spread the news and to shout it for joy. And what do we see in Luke chapter 2? We see one angel go out. And that one angel goes to basically an empty field that has more livestock than people in it and makes an announcement. Like when I read this through my own like shallow eyes, you want to know what this feels like to me? You remember as a kid when your parents would ask you to go do something and you'd run off and you would do the bare minimum so that you could go back and be like, yep, I did it. You know, like, that, that's, when I look at this through my own eyes here, that's what this feels like. God's like, hey, it's a big deal, big announcement. I need you to go and do this. And this guy's like, I don't want to, I don't want to fly all over the place. Okay, here's a field, quickly, shout it out, I'm, I'm going back. Yep, God, I did it, we're done. You know, that, that's what it feels like here, but this was incredibly intentional by God. And I, and I love that. Because I would have thought, man, you need to go and tell everybody. Or if you're going to tell one person or one group of people, you should probably tell a really big group or a really important group. You should be telling it to a king or a ruler or just someone who has influence. And yet the, the one messenger sent out by God goes to these shepherds. All right? And, and we know it's intentional because then all of a sudden all these other messengers go out and what do they do? They go to the exact same field. 
and they just start worshiping God. And I see God demonstrating two things here by doing this. The first is that every single person has equal significance to him. And the second is that he chooses us to be the messengers of this good news. All right? Every person has massive significance. Verse 1 of the first Noel sings about this. Luke 2 shows us and tells us about this. He went to shepherds. All right, I've heard pastors talk about how shepherds were kind of like social outcasts. There's a little bit of backing for that, but also not a ton. Like, what we do know about shepherds is that they were just very average. All right, there was nothing special about shepherds. They spent most of their day in a field with animals. They would not be somebody that you would, like, think is going to have this amazing news. They were very average. They were not influential in society. And, and every single one of us, every single one of you, is incredibly important to God. All right? He doesn't care about or love anyone more than someone else. God does not play favorites. And if you grew up uh, with somebody in your house or a relative like playing favorites, this can be a very refreshing and maybe even healing notion that God does not play favorites. God doesn't choose people based on how great you are by the world's standards. All right, it doesn't matter what your job is in this room. You are not any more qualified to be used by God, and that includes the job of pastor. I am not any more qualified to be used by God than you are. I am not in any way God's favorite more than any of you. I joke about it often, but it's not true. You know, like, like that, it's amazing to think about this, that God does not play favorites. Everybody is important to him. And, and the second thing is this. He chooses us to be messengers of this good news. Despite all of his resources and his ability to get the message out you know, in a way better way, he chooses you and me. The shepherds heard the message. They went and saw Jesus. And the angels did not move on to the next field over and keep announcing it. They did not go to the next town over and make the same announcement. The shepherds went and saw Jesus, and then what happened? The shepherds left rejoicing and telling everyone of what they had seen. The shepherds became God's messengers of this good news. God could have done it on his own, but he used them. God is doing things in your life. He is actively involved in your life, whether you recognize it or not. And when we do recognize it, our job then is to share what God has been doing with the world. Not in a, like, look at me, I'm so special type of way, but in a way where other people could, could hear your stories and think, you know what, maybe God's moving in my life too. Maybe God wants to use me as well. Now, I'm not sure why we so often keep things to ourselves. I think maybe we just don't even recognize that God is moving in our life. We actually think that it's more of our own hard work and effort and everything that, that we have in life is because we have worked hard for it. Or maybe we've reached a place where we aren't grateful because we actually expect God to move in our life. Like, God, I have done all these things. I have served in the church. I have gone to church for this many years. I give money to the church. So God, when you do something in my life, it's actually you just repaying me for everything I've done. 
And God, when you do something in my life, then we're even. Like, I, I think some people have that idea. Like, I've put in my time. All right, God, I, okay, come on. You know, and, and that's not at all what it is. Or maybe we just don't actually care about the people around us finding Jesus and their life being transformed. And I really hope that that's not ever the reason why we don't share things that God's doing in our life. Or maybe we allow uh, fears of what people will think or the fear of actually starting a conversation with someone. Maybe we let those fears dominate us and we can't bring ourselves to talk to somebody else. All right? Whatever the reason is, we need to understand that we are God's messengers. All right? You and I are God's messengers. God has chosen you, God has chosen me to bring this good news to the world. I have not heard any stories, I'm not saying this hasn't happened, I haven't heard any stories of shepherds in a field since then and angels showing up. I've heard moments where there are places in our world where there's no access to the gospel. There is no Bible written in their language. There is no Christians in their country. And I've heard stories of Jesus showing up in a dream to somebody and revealing himself. Like, that is amazing. But the reality is when that happens, it's because we are failing to go and do our job. And that is an outpouring of God's grace and mercy in that moment to say, I still want to reveal myself to these people. So that's our responsibility. and That's our first focus, those kind of two things today from this song. The second focus I want to do is from the last verse that we sang today. All right? And I think this is more of a modern verse that's been added after the 1830s rendition. Uh, but it says this, Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught and with his blood and mankind hath bought. All right, this picture in Luke chapter 2 of the hosts of heaven showing up and just worshiping God together is amazing. God who made everything and gave it purpose. Jesus who paid for everything with his blood. Like, nothing is bigger than that. Than us coming together and worshiping him. And that should be so big for us that everything else shrinks next to it. But instead, we often let all sorts of little differences rise up and drive wedges between us and other people. All right, especially with other followers of Jesus even. We let minor doctrinal issues drive a wedge between us and someone who goes to a different church. We let political issues drive a wedge in between us and another person that's sitting in the row with us because we don't believe the same politically. All right, the, the methods of how we do ministry can, can separate us. The way we take communion, the way we baptize people, who is able to hold certain offices in a church, uh, like all of these things, if we aren't careful, will drive wedges between us and other believers. And we let things come in between us and, and people that aren't followers of Jesus as well. All right, and understand, we are going to make choices differently from the rest of the world. If Jesus is Lord of your life, you are not always going to make the logical choice in life because God might show up and say, hey, this is what I want you to do and it takes faith to step out and do it. And you might have a, a friend or a family member that doesn't follow God and it's just like, what are you doing? That seems so dumb. And you're like, I don't know. It's what God told me to do. 
You know, like that, that's going to happen, and that's not really what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about just all the different ways that we, we allow things to separate us. And the end result is the fighting and the lack of love that we are actually called to show as followers of Jesus. In August of 1914, the first battle of World War I was waged. All right, World War I would go on to be called the Great War. Uh, it would last four years and claim some 16 million lives. All right, now initially when, when this happened, when the Germans kind of uh, went in, I was reading about this, there was hopes that this could be done by Christmas, like just a few months, because it started end of July, beginning of August. And they're like, we, we can just do this really quick. All right, but it went on and on and on. And men found themselves trenched in all across Europe, firing at enemy soldiers across open fields. And almost five months into this gruesome war, soldiers are missing family, missing home during Christmas season, December of 1914. And on Christmas Eve in 1914, a peculiar thing happened. Uh, shots kind of started to slow down and weren't ringing out quite as often. And things were just all around becoming a little more quiet. And pretty soon, you could hear troops wishing each other Merry Christmas. And all of a sudden, German troops began to sing from their trenches the words to Silent Night in German. When they were done, the British troops responded by singing the first Noel. This led to troops eventually leaving their trenches and meeting in what's called no man's land between the opposing trenches. And troops that could speak the same language would wish each other Merry Christmas. They would talk. There are pictures that were taken. Stories were exchanged. And supposedly even a game of soccer was played. The British versus the Germans. The Germans say they won 3-2. to two, But I'm sure that in British history books it reads differently. This Christmas truce, as it became known, lasted until sometime around midnight on the night of the 25th and 26th. So it started Christmas Eve, lasted the full day of Christmas uh, before it was no more. And, and this was not set up by the leaders. In fact, many of the upper-ranking commanders uh, were very upset by what happened, and they took action to make sure that no truce or ceasefire would happen again really, the rest of the war. Like, it was, it was very adamant, like, this will not happen again. But in the midst of a brutal war, the birth of one baby was able to bring peace, even if only for a day. Men who spoke different languages, came from different countries, had different beliefs about the world, and they were even willing to kill or be killed for those beliefs were brought together. There's so much in our world that we can disagree about. So many places for us to be divided. And some of us will be reminded of those places and those disagreements over the next week as you gather together with family. And there will be moments where we can choose to engage in those disagreements or we can choose to focus elsewhere. And so many of these disagreements, they don't even compare in importance to what we are celebrating this Christmas season. If two sides of a massive war can lay down their differences at Christmas to join together in one accord and sing praises to God, I think we can as well. All right, and I, I want to challenge us with this. Don't let division 
rule your Christmas. All right, this is our challenge. If you're taking notes, don't let division rule your Christmas. Don't set that kind of example for your kids. Don't cause any more strife in your family. And it may mean holding your tongue when everything inside of you wants to launch into this thoroughly prepared and rehearsed monologue of your beliefs. All right? Maybe you've even been studying up here over the last week. Like, I got to get ready because Aunt Nancy's coming and uh, we're going to have it out. You know, I got to be prepared. I got my note cards just like these kids up here. And I got all my talking points. All right? Let's honor Jesus with our thoughts, with our words, actions, and responses this week. Okay, let's allow his love to be the thing that distinguishes us as we gather with family. All right, it's not about being correct in an argument. You can be correct in what you are saying and still be so wrong this Christmas. All right, like we need to remember that. You can be correct in what you're saying and you can still be wrong. Don't build walls that Jesus was sent to tear down. Let's not do that. Instead, let's let this last verse describe us this week then. Then let all of us with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord. Can we stand together across this place as we finish up? I sort of went a few different places today in the message. I don't always do that. Lots of times I like to have one place that we're going. It makes it really easy for us to walk away and be like, all right, God, I know what I need to do this week. But I did that because I think as we get close to Christmas, we have so many different situations in life that are represented in this room. Like what your week looks like in this room is going to be very, very different from person to person. All right, for some this week, it's going to be super relaxing. Others are just stressed out thinking about all the things that you have to get done. Family to entertain, expectations to try and meet. All right, some will be with tons of people, and some might have a much smaller Christmas with just a few or maybe even yourself. Regardless of what your situation is or will be, I believe that God wants to be a massive part of your week. That this week, that God wants to be so present in everything that you're doing, in every conversation that you have, every moment. And I want us just to be, to be open to what God has for us. So whether you needed to hear the fact that that God cares about every single person. God cares about you. That there isn't anything you can do to be more loved by God because he already loves you and cares about you the most that he can. Or maybe you need to be more intentional in sharing what God is doing in your life. That if you think over the last few months and you see some things that God has done where he's showing up, that you need to be more intentional in saying, okay, God, I am your messenger. You've chosen me. And I need to be willing to share these things that God's doing. Or maybe you just need a reminder that Jesus came to bring the world together under his kingdom rule and reign. That, that's, that's what this is all about. And maybe this Christmas you can bring healing to division that you've had in the past. 
So hopefully, this is, this is what I want. I want us walking away today hearing what you needed to hear to go into this Christmas week ready to focus on Jesus, ready to be encouraged and loved by him, and ready to make a spiritual impact in one of your family members' lives and to live in a way that points people back to what really matters. I want to do this quick. How many of us in the room this week, you will be gathering together with people that they would not consider themselves followers of Jesus? How how many of us in the room this week, you're going to have people that are sharing a dinner table with you that you are getting together with and they would not consider themselves followers of Jesus? All right, like this, man, let's be in prayer about this. Like that, that's where I'm at. And I have people that I, that I need to be praying for this week. That God would even start to just work in my heart, get me ready for some of those conversations. That in those moments, I would be ready to say what it is that he wants me to say. That I wouldn't add to any division, any space, any gap that's between me and them. But instead, that gap would be closed down. That that wall that they have between them and God, that I can just start to remove one brick at a time between that wall that they've built between God This is a big week. For some of us, we don't see family that often, and, and this is an opportunity for God to work through us. I want to do this. I want to just pray. Like I said, I think we have a lot of different areas in this room. I think there's people in this room that God has spoken something to you, and maybe it's one of these. Maybe it's something completely different. But I just want to pray uh, just over all of us that this week would be able to be focused on where God is taking us. So, Jesus, as we take time out of our week to just focus on you, to celebrate your birth, to celebrate what this means for us, I pray right now that you would just begin to work in every single one of us, that we would be able to find what it is that we need so that this week we can have an impact for your kingdom. That this isn't just another holiday. It's not another family gathering. This is an opportunity for lives to be changed. This is an opportunity for eternities to be changed. God, I pray that we would carry that weight to an extent into this week of just that responsibility. But Jesus, when we trust you, when we seek after you, I know it's not a heavy weight. We just have to follow in obedience what you're leading us to do. God, I pray for those in here that this is going to be a hard week. I pray that you would be with them, that you would comfort them, you would give them peace. You would surround them with your presence. Whatever the cause of of the pain that's happening this week, God, we we pray that you would be so present in that. Last thing I want to do before we go, just with eyes closed in the room, Maybe you're here and, and you want to say, you know what, I, I don't know if I've ever actually made a decision to live for Jesus. And you're talking about how this season has so much weight, so much importance, and so many things can happen and God is working in your life. And you're standing here today saying, I don't think that's ever described my life. It definitely doesn't describe how I'm looking at this week but you would make a decision this morning and say, I want to live for Jesus. 
I want to, I want to have meaning. I want to have purpose, not just in this week, but in my life. And if that's you, and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I want to ask, would you just slip your hand up right now so I can pray with you? Yep, yep. Yeah. And I want to do this. I want us just where we're at right now, just in your own words, I want you to take 20 seconds, you and God, if you need to just hand your life over to him and say, God, I need a relationship with you, do that. If you need to pray about what's going to happen this week, how you're going to conduct yourself, how you're going to interact, do that. But let's take 20 seconds right now, 20 seconds to prepare our hearts as we get ready for this week. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this room. We thank you for what this season means. Jesus, I pray that this week would be one that is good, that is meaningful, that is impactful on us and on the people that we are spending time with. God, give us, give us a mission as we walk out these doors that we need to accomplish this week. Jesus, we ask that in your name. And everybody said, amen.